Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. In this episode of the All These Things series, we'll focus on shared reading poems, my personal favorite type of material. Shared reading poems are the main tool used to teach our students phonics. In units 1 to 7, they are grouped with phonogram cards and phonogram word cards. Each poem in these lower units has a focused phonogram or two through which students learn to associate the sound a letter makes with the actual shape and form of the letter. For example, we can find the monkey poem in unit 1. The focused phonograms here are M and D. So typically, the lesson plan will call for us to teach the M and D phonogram cards and their word cards along with the poem. Through repeated exposure, students learn that the letter M makes the M sound and D makes the D sound. So when they see them in words in this poem and future writing, they can identify the sounds and begin to learn to read. Because the focus is on phonics and the written form of the letters, this is not a verbal skills tool like we have been talking about in previous episodes. The focus here will be on the text. That's why the text is so big on the cards compared to, say, a story or a song. Let's think about the name of this type of material, shared reading poems. Obviously there are poems, but let's focus on the first two words there, shared reading. Your students will start their grapeseed journey without the ability to read, and it will take time before they're able to do so on their own. To help introduce reading and ease the transition to them reading on their own, we share the reading experience with them through poems and big books, which we will talk about in the next All These Things podcast. You will stand in front of the class with a pointer in hand and track the words as you read through the poem with the students, while also pointing out those focus sounds we want our students to pick up. Before jumping into the teaching method straight away, it is worth reviewing a few concepts here that you might have heard before. The first is vertical phonics. Many phonics programs teach sounds separately. You may recall from your own English education phrases like a long A and short A sounds. Typically word families are introduced, these being multiple words with the same vowel sound like cat, bat, and sat. These word family introductions tend to space out the phonics learning students are doing. One day, they may learn the A sound in those words cat, bat, and sat, and practice writing these words while the next day they move on to another sound of A and its word family. In Grapeseed, instead of this, we teach all the sounds a letter makes together, in order of frequency to a maximum of four. So when we teach the letter A, for example, students learn A, 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 and A all at once. Like I just mentioned, they are arranged in order of frequency of the use. The first sound taught is the sound for that letter used most often, the second being the second most used, and so on. That's a quick review. Please refer to Matthew's great video, B101 Vertical Phonics, in the Graveseed Platforms and Philosophies course on the teacher training section of the portal for a more thorough explanation. Another important concept is air writing. Even though writers don't start in our classrooms until Unit 3, our students will get physical practice writing the letters in the air with their fingers even from Unit 1. Physically writing the letter in this way will give them simple writing practice and help lock in the association between the written form of the letter and the sound it makes. When you do this, you'll want to write the letter backwards so it appears correct to your students as they are writing it correctly facing you. Luckily, there is a guide on how to write the letters backwards on the back of each phonogram card to help you. The last big concept to review is concepts of print. These are characteristics inherent in any language, but they may vary between languages. For native speakers, we can take these for granted, but for some of your students, 
Concepts of print in English may be completely different than their home language. Let's look at a simple example, how text is read. In English, text is typically read from left to right, then going line by line from top to bottom. If you're a native speaker of English, you just know that this is how you read, so you may not think about it. Let's compare that with Japanese. In a lot of Japanese books, text is read vertically, top to bottom, reading line by line, right to left. So for Japanese students, coming into English on day one and reading with the teacher may take them some time to wrap their heads around. There are many other concepts of print, things like sentences starting with a capital letter and ending with the punctuation mark, books having a front and back cover, and so on. In early units, students will passively learn these through exposure. You aren't going to spend your time in unit one talking about question marks and exclamation points. When we start transitioning students to learning how to read, we will start to explicitly talk about these in our lessons. Don't worry, all of this will be in your lesson plan and also in your quick checks in the teacher manual. So now with the introduction out of the way, let's talk teaching method. The directions here are general. A specific lesson plan may direct you otherwise on a given day. As mentioned before in units 1 to 7, your poems will be taught with phonogram cards and phonogram word cards, so let's start with those. When teaching phonogram cards, you will generally show the students the card and say the name of the letter and the sound it makes. It is important for students to know both, but we are primarily going to focus on the sound the letter makes. So if you have the M phonogram card, you will hold it up and say, Boys and girls, this is the letter M, the sound is M. Then you will air write the letter with the students twice, saying the sound of the letter as you finish the last stroke of the letter. If a letter has more than one sound, you will want to hold up fingers for each successive sound after the air writing and saying the first sound. Let's take O as an example. When air writing O, as you complete writing it in the air, you'll say the first sound, ah. Then you'll hold up two fingers as you say the second sound, O, three fingers for the third, U, and four for the fourth, A. Uh. This will help students notice that each sound is different and will remember the sounds more quickly. Don't forget to make sure students are saying the sound while air writing. That all sounds like a lot, but it shouldn't take more than a minute. Get into a routine with these and your pacing can be maintained. Going back to our previous example, it can be something as simple as, okay boys and girls, this is the letter M. The sound is M. Fingers up. Here you quickly scan the room to make sure everyone has their fingers up. Ready, go. You then start air writing, saying the M sound as you finish. Once more, air write again. Then you move on to the phonogram word card. With the word cards, we are helping students make the jump from seeing a letter in isolation to seeing letters appear in words. You'll start by pointing out, with a pointer of course, the target phonogram and saying the isolated sound with students repeating after you. Then, read the word it appears in and have students repeat. Just go through each word once and move on to the poem itself. This phonogram word card is the easiest step. So now on to the poem. Poems are typically read twice. Remember our full name for this type of material? Shared reading poems. Sharing the reading experience with your students. With your pointer, Read the title along with the poem to your students with natural rhythm and expression. After reading, you'll typically point out the target phonograms in the poem, saying their sound and the word they appear in, similar to what you did with the phonogram word card. After pointing out the focus phonograms, read the poem once more. This last reading will get your students to hear the sounds you just pointed out more clearly and further build on their phonological awareness. 
in units eight and above, you won't have single letter focus phonograms to point out anymore, but your lesson plan may direct you to start explicitly talking about concepts of print. You may be asked to talk about what different punctuation means and how it is used, so make sure you read the instructions for the day carefully and are prepared to teach what the lesson plan calls for. In early exposures, you will be the one saying the sounds of the phonograms and leading the reading of the word card as well as the poems. But like everything in Grapeseed, we over time gradually release this responsibility to our students. Asking them for letter names and the sounds they make, as well as asking them to point out focused phonograms, will make the learning environment more active for them, and it will let you know just how much your students are understanding the phonics knowledge you are teaching them. Let's now talk about common mistakes and pitfalls with poems. With how technical the teaching method is involving pointers and a lot of cards, pacing can become a big issue, especially if you start letting students identify the sounds in a poem. Pay close attention to the target times in your lesson plan and make sure your instructions to your students are concise and clear. That being said, there's a lot of important learning going on here, so don't rush through it either. Be efficient and effective. For an example of this, check out how the yes-no poem from Unit 3 is taught in a class example in the Grapeseed Materials and Effective Teaching Examples course on the portal. The teacher hits the points in her lesson plan in around two minutes. We talked earlier about letter names and the sounds the letters make. Recall that it's a good idea to start with saying the letter name, but from that point forward, you will want to be focusing on the sound a letter makes as opposed to the letter name. Be careful with your language here. Don't say, let's find the letter M in the poem. Instead say, let's find the M sound in the poem. Also, we have silent sounds or sounds that aren't taught with grapeseed phonics. One of the earliest encounters you will have with this is the yes-no poem in Unit 3, where E is a focus phonogram. In grapeseed, we teach E and E as the sounds for E. But the word snake is in this poem, which doesn't use either of these sounds. Be ready to make this into a teachable moment. Your students may just look to identify the correct shape when you ask them to find the sound. If you ask them to find the S sound and they point to the E in snake, you can say, oh, that is the letter E, but does it make the S sound? Listen, snake. No, it doesn't. It is a letter E, but it doesn't make the E sound. Good try. This won't raise their affective filters and they will listen more closely in the future and identify the sound as opposed to the simple shape of the letter. In that vein, you will want to make sure you isolate the phonograms as much as possible when you're teaching them. This can be tricky with a lot of consonants. Do your best to clip off the vowel sounds that you will naturally try to add to them. For example, for B, we teach B and not B. G is probably the most difficult of these. We teach G and J and not G and J. A pitfall that is easy to avoid is not using a pointer. Without one, you tend to block a lot of the text as you are reading. Using a pointer makes pointing out specific phonograms very clear and is fun for students to use when they come to point them out in later exposures. When you're teaching poems in big books, always, always, always use a pointer. In that vein, let's talk about using pointers effectively. Remember that the focus with poems is on the text. As you read the poem, you'll want to keep the pointer on the text, not the picture. In early exposures, it can be a good idea to take a little time to talk about the picture and point to it, but do this separately from the actual poem reading. Don't cross point, where you read a line of the poem and point to the picture. 
When reading the poem, keep that pointer on the text. Another common error is not holding up extra fingers when saying extra sounds a phonogram has. If you don't do this, you're missing out on very powerful chances to review phonograms students have learned while you teach things in future units. Let's say you're teaching unit 6, and you start to notice that your students are losing their memory of the sounds of O that they learned in unit 4. You notice the lesson plan has you teach the jam poem that day. If you've introduced and reviewed language like second sound, third sound, etc., then you can take 30 seconds as you teach jam to point out the different O sounds in the poem. Oh look, boys and girls, at this word, on. What sound of O do you hear? That's right, the first sound. Now let's look at donut. What sound of O do you hear here? That's right, the second sound. If your students struggle here, you can cycle through the different sounds as you say the word. In the on example, you can cycle through all four sounds of O, like on, own, un, or un, and see if your students can pick the correct answer and which sound, first, second, etc., it is. Use those fingers and start using that language when you get into Unit 2 and students are learning letters with more than one sound. One last pitfall to note is how you air write. If you want students to practice writing clearly, you need to model clearly. Best practice is generally you holding out a straightened arm with two fingers as you air write, moving your whole arm clearly as you write the letters. If you only bend your wrist and write with your hand, the letter you write is less clear to the students. Use your whole arm and encourage your students to do so as well. So now, let's talk about what you can do to be extra effective with poems. The biggest recommendation is to purchase colored, transparent post-it notes that you can use to highlight focus phonograms. The color helps the target phonogram stand out to the students and the transparency doesn't block any of the text. You can usually find these at stationery stores or at dollar stores. One warning with these with respect to efficiency. We mentioned before that students identifying phonograms can take a lot of time if not managed well, especially so with these highlighting tools. Imagine you call on five students. Each comes up, you hand them a sticker, they place the sticker, they say the word, they go back to their chairs, then you call up another student. Even just saying it takes a lot of time. Like anything, these can be a great tool if used properly. You can also be really effective if you take the time to think through how you will teach concepts of print to your students in Units 8 and above. What simple and concise language can you use to describe things like the difference between a period and a comma? You could have students clap twice after a period and once after a comma as you read, or you could turn to the students and silently count to two after a period or one after a comma while you read. Think about what would be clear and easily conveyable. How will you explain a question mark or an exclamation point? Once your students understand the concept you are trying to convey, you don't need to keep doing it. For example, if your students start to pause appropriately after commas and periods, you don't need to keep doing your counting to two or clapping exercises so you can save time for other things. I touched on this a bit earlier in the pitfall section, but reviewing phonograms is highly recommended. Luckily, you'll start to notice a lesson plan directing you to review some of the phonogram cards from the current and previous units. This is a great time for students to practice and recall their sounds, but it also gives you information as a teacher as to what your students still might not be comfortable with. Going back to our O sound that we talked about before. If you notice that you're in Unit 6 and your students are struggling with those O sounds during the phonogram card practice, 
Then you can look for places where that phonogram appears for extra practical practice, like the words on and donut in the jam poem. Always reading with proper expression is another way to be super effective with poems. Even if the focus is on the text and we are building student reading skills, in the end, everything in Grapeseed is language students can use to communicate with. If you read with proper fluency and expression, you will find that your students already passively understand commas, periods, exclamation points, question marks, and even capital letters by the time you get to units where you explicitly talk about them. You will also encourage your students to read with natural expression and fluency as well, something very helpful for them as they begin to read more and more difficult sentences in poems, big books, and eventually readers. Hopefully, this episode has given you some new ideas or tips that you can employ in your own classrooms. If you have any other great ideas on teaching poems or phonogram cards or phonogram word cards effectively, feel free to send them in to mailcarrier at grapeseed.com. As always, thank you for listening, and good luck in the classroom. Hey everyone, quick announcement. The podcast audio files have a new home on the portal. While you could access them before in the general tab of the digital resources section, you can now find them as their own course in the teacher training section, alongside our extensive library of videos. One cool new thing to mention is that transcripts of the podcast can be found within the Grapeseed Official Podcast course, in case you are having trouble hearing or understanding something in a particular episode. You will also notice that the podcasts are grouped according to their particular series, like Open the Box or Grapeseed Friends. So if you're looking for a particular type, you can easily access all of it at once. Happy listening! Goodbye, my friends, goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.